0: one into the night. Jimmy Rollins is going to try for three. Here he comes. In the air, down the right field line. Way back there. On an RBI hit by Mitch Poole. Here's the throw to the plate. It's in the air. He is
1: out. The 0-2 pitch. Look out. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Phillies Nation podcast. I am your host, Ty Dobbert. Coming at you with another episode. The Phillies had a good series in San Diego against the Padres. However, their star, the reigning National League MVP, Bryce Harper, did go down with a broken thumb. Looks like he's going to be on the injured list for a while. My co-host, Nathan Ackerman, he was actually there covering the series uh, this weekend for Phillies Nation. So, Nathan, how are you doing? What was it like being at that series for you?
0: It was good. It was awesome. I caught the last two games. So two of the three wins that they took over the Padres. Uh, Everything went really well for the team, except for the thing that was the most important to happen over the weekend, of course. Uh, But other than that, what can I say? Beautiful weather. The press box food was awesome. Uh, It was free. It was all you can eat and it was delicious. And yeah, the Phillies played well. Mark Appel was there. We'll talk a little bit about him later on. Exciting games. The Phillies bullpen is dominant all of a sudden. So that's definitely something that nobody expected. And I'm still not sure. I believe my own eyes when it actually did take place. But yeah, obviously, the biggest story to come out of that weekend series was Bryce Harper. And it just came out a few minutes ago from the Inquirer that it's going to be a while. He's going to get uh, surgery on his fractured thumb. He's like thinking maybe at the, by the end of August, which at this point, it sounds like if the Phillies can get him back at any point this season, they'll take it, but yeah, it's going to be tough to overcome that, but we'll talk about that too. So yeah. Interesting weekend. Um, good for the Phillies in the win column, bad in the future outlook column, if you will.
1: Yeah. And I think the, you know, for, for a while, Harper had been not playing the field because he's dealing with an elbow injury I think you know for a long time people are like oh can can Harper get back in the field can he get back on defense like that would be a big boost to to this club and now you know even, even with the injury he was dealing with he was the most stable bat. he was the best bat in this lineup throughout this season and now you're at a point where these injuries like just pile on top of each other now you not only do you have to have a downgrade in the field you're not there's a significant drop off in this lineup without his bat. Um, So yeah, it's a a huge loss. Like he's not quite, you know, it's not this season wasn't the best that we've ever seen Bryce Harper. He's had some pretty incredible highs throughout his career, but again, he was like one of the, the best hitters in the national league so far this season. And it's just not a, it's not a, a bat you're able to replace. Easily whatsoever. No,
0: no, it isn't exactly what you want. Uh yeah, it wasn't obviously one of his best seasons, but he's still probably top four or five in the National League MVP race when he went down. I, I do want to push back on the downgrade in the field thing because yeah, it's this is a team that like is not good on the defensive side of the ball. And anybody who can play competent defense, you're gonna want them out there at some point. But like getting Nick Castellanos out of right field on an everyday basis is gonna be I I, even the term like silver lining feels like a little too much because there's no possible way to look at this and be like, oh, but at least that. But I guess that's what I'm doing right now because Castellanos in right field, um, if you're a fan of the eye test, if you're a fan of analytics, it really does not matter. It is brutal. And I think I'm definitely on the train that it was at least somewhat playing into the offensive Shortcomings he's had at the plate this year. I know it's not fully to blame because he was like sub 700 OPS, which there's a ton of things that go into that. But if we're gonna take the small sample size as being any significance, that's not English at all. Then you know you went four for five on Sunday in the first game without him. He's not playing right field that game. So maybe there's something there. Maybe this is a silver lining. I know I just said, I don't want to say that, but maybe it is. And then the other thing that kind of concerns me though, is this team has had a few games throughout the season where they didn't have Harper for whatever cause they wanted to get him off his feet. He was dealing with that elbow problem. He had to miss a few games here and there. There were nine games. There were nine such games and they scored a total of 19 runs. So obviously again, if you want to look at Sunday and be the optimist, they scored eight runs without him there. And as soon as he went down on Saturday, they scored three runs the next inning. It seemed like they sort of, um, you know, if you buy the narrative of, oh, it's payback or they had his back, whatever the case might be. They weren't totally inept. And maybe it's just the kind of thing where, yeah, having his bat out of the lineup every day is awful and is definitely going to hurt them. But maybe the reason they were so bad in the games without him in the first part of, of the year was They just weren't used to having him out of the lineup. And it's almost like his his absence was worth more than just his production. It was like his bat was gone and then everybody else got worse because of it. So maybe what you'll have for the rest of the season here is just he's gone without the trickle-down effect that it had on everybody else. I don't know. We'll see. It's been one game.
1: Yeah. And, you know, what you said about Cassianos is I agree. I don't think it's unfair to say, like, He's a disaster in right field. Like, that's not that's not unfair to say. It's it's really bad. Um, but also... It's he, just so
0: awkward. Like, he just looks so uncomfortable. It's like every yeah. step he takes, it feels like it takes five seconds to take that step. And he's just, like, wobbling all over. It's not good. It's not but good. But at the,
1: at the same time, he's been a disaster in the field at multiple positions for almost for no not almost for his entire career and last year he was playing in the national league with no dh and he was incredible uh in ops over nine thirty, and he was playing the field like i don't maybe maybe the defensive struggles like have bothered him a little bit because they've been obvious at times but i don't think that's like really the reason and while while we're on cassianos um we kind of talked before we recorded like he's going to be the key if they're able to stay afloat without bryce harper i think um a little bit jt real muto him being able to he had a pretty good series in san diego hitting a few homers real muto and castellanos are going to be the ones where they have to get closer to where they have been throughout their careers go on a little bit of a hot streak until they can hopefully get Harper back. And if they're going to survive this, it's going to, it's probably going to be because Nick Cassianos and JT Realmuto have just been better than the really subpar performance they've put up to this point in the season. And I think Cassianos is, he's really the most important one because they, they signed him to be a major impact that, uh, along with Kyle Schwarber. Schwarber has held up his end, and Castellanos, it's its just been a disappointment so far.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, to, to the point about Castellanos and the fact that he's been playing in the field for each of the last few years, it's true, but also maybe I think there's a little bit of something to the fact that he was expecting to not have to do that this year. Like They signed him to be the guy who didn't have to play right, maybe would have to play left once every few days to get uh, Kyle Schwarber off of his feet. But his main role was to just hit. And then the Harper thing happened with the uh, uh, elbow problems. And then you had to put him in right. And maybe that adjustment and just the fact that it caught him off guard or a little bit was something that was new to him this year as opposed to years past. But I I agree. It's, you know, obviously, as I said, that's not you can't fully blame that for Um, his offensive struggles this year. And honestly, if that was the sole cause, like he should figure out how to, you know, work around having to play in the field. But I do agree that it's basically the answer of whether they can weather the Bryce Harper storm or the lack of, of, of Bryce Harper storm. The answer is Nick Castellanos, whether that's a yes or a no, it's like, he's the guy that they're gonna hit him third most most days. Uh, Rob Rob Thompson said they're gonna. They have a few different options for that spot, but I don't really see who else makes a lot of sense on an everyday basis other than Castellanos. Like you could move Kyle Schwarber there, but he's been so good where he is now, and same with Hoskins, he's been fine. Uh, I don't, I don't know if Hoskins is like a three hole guy that you want to put there, and then JT is not a three hole guy, and then anybody else shouldn't even be a consideration, but. If you can have Castellanos sort of split the difference, and I was I was walking through the the numbers during yesterday's game, and I know that this isn't exactly how it works, but basically what I was thinking is at the time when Harper went down, he was at a 984 uh, OPS. Castellanos was at 677. If you get Castellanos to be something in between those two marks, that's an 831, which is where he's been for most of his career and last year was at like 930 so then what you're saying is you're you're replacing harper with obviously a substantial downgrade there but a guy who's still a pretty good offensive player and then you just need to find a guy to replace the horrible version of uh castellanos who is at like sub 700 and if you can get the guys around him to sort of pick it up or you bring somebody in i don't know who exactly that would be right now but the point is if he steps up there's there's enough talent in this lineup to still be a pretty good offense it's just if he doesn't step up and this is the guy that you're going to get all year where he's like hovering around 700 uh it i they're not going to score enough runs. it's just plain and simple
1: yeah i think i would i would agree there pretty much and you know we're in agreement that cassiano's like really is is the key here but At the same time, like you mentioned, they may have to bring in some guys, whether that's from the minor leagues. They called up Mickey Moniak the other day when Harper went down. Um, Oh, good. (laughs) There, There it
0: is. Problem solved.
1: And then today on Monday, they put in a waiver claim for Oscar Mercado from Cleveland, who in 2019 as a rookie he had a pretty good season as an outfielder who's like kind of a low on base percentage guy but he can has a but he has a little bit of pop and but since then he's just like not been very good and hasn't been good this season so yeah these options that they have right now in the outfield are not great and they're going to need a little bit more in the outfield just because if you're rolling with if you're rolling with Oduble Herrera, Mickey Moniak and Matt Veerling to play two positions, most days, like they're just going to get overexposed. I, I feel like, and they're just one outfielder short right now. Like that's the way it goes. When one of your star players gets injured and they're going to have to look at a few different places. I don't know if you have anyone in mind internally or externally, but I. I assume that you're kind of you're you're with me here that they could use another one uh, use another player.
0: Yeah. uh, Andrew Benintendi is a name I've heard thrown around there a little bit. And I think that actually be a pretty good option. But in terms of in-house options, like who could step in right now and. You know, obviously not. Like replace Bryce Harper, but offset a lot of the offensive, what they're going to be lacking without Harper, like. There's not much there. It's going to be a lot of guys who have been underperforming, like Castellanos, like uh, Real Muto in the first part of the season, just stepping up. But yeah, the outfield is kind of, uh, you know, as you said, if you have Virling and Herrera playing two out of the two out of the three outfield spots on an everyday basis, and Kyle Schwarber presumably being the other one, who he's obviously you know doing his job at the plate, but in the field, it's not pretty still. It's not it's not Castellanos bad, but yeah. Anyway, point is, they're gonna need to look elsewhere. Uh, it's kind of unfortunate because they were probably just gonna be in the market for relievers, maybe a starter, maybe a I don't know defensive specialist, but now they're gonna be like, you know, in the cards to add a real bat. So, who do you have, Ty? Who's who's at the top of your list?
1: All right, so I have I have one idea. I've I have one idea in terms of trades and then i have two names internally that i wanted to kind of throw out so in terms of trades i teased this to you before we recorded i didn't tell you but told you i had to this is mine
0: i i'm just gonna preface this with in our ideal offseason pod one of your perfect trades was like bryson stott mick abel for like cody bellinger so if this if this falls short of that level of chaos, would it
1: be? It is. It's not that level, but I think they should. I think they should target uh, Ian Happ from the Cubs. Like I think mm. that should be the priority for right now. He can play center field, and he's a switch hitter. He's been crushing righties. Um, sorry, lefties as a right-handed hitter, and he. But he also has some versatility in the field, so if Harper does come back, you can also get and say, there's like a matchup where you want to get, you, you would rather have Alec Boehm out, or you'd rather have um, Bryson Stott out. You can, he can play some second base and then you can move Stott to third or keep Boehm at third. You, you can play the matchups a little more with him. So you can, for right now, he can play center field. He can play some second base um, at times. He can play left if depending who's off things like that. I think Ian Hap like is the guy that they should, really go after um I like that I don't think I don't think that he like he's not going to go for nothing they're not going to get a contributor for like nothing in return like the Braves did (laughs) at the trade deadline last year they're going to have to make an investment but I think that I think that player like is the one to go to
0: yeah and he still has a year and a half left of team control so they'd have another season and the Cubs are going to be should be like fire sale part three for the cubs yeah. so yeah I, maybe, I like that maybe, I mean
1: maybe maybe get old friend uh, David Robertson from them too. Yeah,
0: that would go well for sure. No problem. Uh yeah I like I like the idea of hap. He wasn't good in, in 2021. He hit 226 with a 757s yeah. but right now he's at 279 with an eight eight thirty five and that's like exactly the kind of guy that you know the Phillies could definitely use. Um mm-hmm. and if if you can get that version of Hap. And Castellanos can be, like I said, a guy who sort of splits the difference between what he's been and what Harper's been. I still don't want to say they've made up for the lack of production in Bryce Harper, but they've done about as well as they can. And that's a lineup that can get by, especially if you have JT hitting, you have Reese Hoskins hitting, you have Didi Gregorius maybe, question mark, hitting a home run once this season.
1: (laughs) Um,
0: But yeah. I like that. That'd be a good move. Uh, he doesn't play like he's not a poor outfielder. He can make the plays that you need him yeah. to make and he can certainly hit. So, yeah, I'm a fan.
1: Castellanos and Hap, former former teammates, too, in Chicago. Yeah, there you go. So. All right. So here's some names internally. So the Phillies last year messed around with Nick Maton playing center field a little bit. So when he. When he's healthy again, maybe he gets some looks in the outfield. I don't know what you would think of that. He didn't look great in center field. Like I was at in at Lehigh Valley, I was at his first game playing center field last year, and he like didn't look great, but that was probably over a year ago now. So there's probably some progress there.
0: Well, I just at like what's the what's the upgrade there? Like
1: Mayton um, over
0: over Veerling or Herrera.
1: Yeah, that's it's just another thing where you can play the matchups a little bit. But every time every time they call him up, um he gets really hot for a little while, so maybe when he gets off the injured list they just got to find ways to put his bat in the lineup. And so here's the other thing. Here's the it, other it, one for. It it doesn't
0: feel like a do not I I don't I don't dislike it, but it doesn't feel like I don't I don't think you're proposing this as it either, but it doesn't feel like an everyday fix.
1: Yeah. Like I a agree.
0: pencil Nick Maton into center field in your lineup Correct. every single day. But yeah, he could definitely be a guy that sort of, you know, floats around there, mix and match. Yeah.
1: Here's here's the other one for you. So after we after we talked for a long while about how getting Nick Cassianos out of the outfield will be good for the team, I'm gonna propose in this hypothetical that he gets back into right field and they call up <laughs> they, call up, Derek Hall. they yeah. call up Derek Hall. They call Derek Hall from AAA, 26 year old power bat 19 homers so far this season OPS in the mid eight hundreds um he's really like some of the best raw power in baseball like that's not really an exaggeration it's a matter of putting it together for the most part for him but he is pretty much a first base only can they've kind of tried him at left in spring training and stuff but if they feel like they're short at bat and they've been willing to sacrifice the defense before, I think it'd be worth a shot, especially. So I think maybe both of these scenarios might end up coming true in like less than a month when they go to Toronto, Matt Gild from the athletic and his recent story noted that they're going to have guys that can't get into Canada because they're not vaccinated against COVID. So, like, there might be a lineup where Nick Maton's playing center field and Derek Hall is DHing, depending on their vaccination status, which I don't know. Yeah. We don't know 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 who those guys
0: are. We don't know who those guys are, right? We just know that there are some, and we're definitely going to find out once that happens.
1: Correct. And I guess last year there was some – last season when they had COVID issues – Aaron Nola and Alec Bohm had both said they were not vaccinated along with Bailey Falter and then all of them had said that they would consider getting it after they had COVID I'm pretty sure so who knows if they are at this point so yeah it's it's kind of a big mystery but it does seem like when they go to Toronto it's only two days but they're going to have a lot of players on the restricted list and they're going to have to call up like a bunch of players from minor leagues, put them on the 40 man roster for two days. And yeah, that's not, it's not going to be a good look.
0: No, it isn't going to be a good look, but it's not going to be the kind of thing that sinks their season. Like they're going to miss two no. games and probably going to lose both of them. anyway. It's the blue Jays, but yeah, I, I like the idea of hall. I'm, I'm with you that if they did that, it would, Oh, can anything be worse than Castellanos and right? Like, I, I want to say yes because I've seen um, enough. How do I put this? Minor league Phillies first baseman get called up and put into a corner outfield spot. And it, uh, I'm talking about Reese Hoskins and left, right. obviously. It took me well, a no, I just, I just, I don't, I could... don't want to see it again, is my point. But I also would be okay with not having to watch Nick Castellanos play right field. Again, do you want to so, actually know look, honestly, the, actually, I'm going to walk back on that because they're both going to be brutal in right or left or wherever they play. But if you take the small sample size as any in indication of this, like if if not having to play in the field is the thing that allows Cassianos to hit like he can, you got to find a way to keep him at the D.H. And if you put him in right versus Hall in right, like it's I I know we're thinking, I don't think Hall, like, I don't think
1: Hall can play right. I really don't think not. he can play okay, right. Okay,
0: okay, but he can play first, and then you can put Hoskins back and right, Hoskins and left, Schwarber in right.
1: Oh, there,
0: man. There, look, there's a way to make it happen where you where you can avoid it. having needing Cassianus to play in the field. The alternative won't be better from a defensive standpoint, and it might even be worse if that's possible. But if the bat like, Nick, Nick, th- this season is going to ride on Nick Cassianos's bat one way or another.
1: Yeah, I would agree. And, and by the way, really, really quickly, you said, is there anything worse than Nick Cassianos in right? And to that, I would say yes, and it's Nick Cassianos at third base. <laughs> oh. <laughs> he was so bad that they had to move him to right. <laughs>
0: yeah. No, it isn't good. I, I, remember, I remember looking up the, like, uh, defensive run saved on fan graphs, It was like Alec Boehm levels of bad, worse. Yeah,
1: I think, I think like the only worst defender that I can remember, like worse than Castellanos at third, when Ryan Braun was a rookie and he played third, he was like, he was like the worst defender of all time. (laughs) So, (laughs) what we're
0: saying is that, what we're saying is that the philosophy of this offseason for the Phillies was to go all in on the defense doesn't matter bit and now because their best player is going to be out for most of the season the answer is to go even further in yeah, they, have the to, no they have to
1: they have to double and triple down
0: i love it i love
1: I, it it'd be entertaining at the least and hall i think is like i don't i don't ideally he's not like your starting dh on a major league team i think at this point he's probably someone who you'd prefer as a bench bat and he can make some starts here and there, but if he if they call him up and he puts together like a hot month, like who know who knows what can happen because his power is legit. If he's just seeing the ball really well, he's he's someone who can hit the ball out of the yard. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. And they it's need not guys guaranteed. to do that. They,
0: yes, like they 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 need guys to do that because, uh, well, I guess uh, Real Mito's hit two homers in his last three games or. Well, that was true whenever he hit his most recent homer, which was, oh, yeah, yesterday, right? No. Yeah. Okay, whatever. He hit he two homers against the Padres, but prior to yes. that he went 22 games without a homer. Um, Castellanos, when he does have these, like, little two- or three-day hot streaks at a time, it feels like there's not much power there. No homers for um, Gregorius all season, which is pretty bad. Not what you want there. The only one <laughs> yeah, really carry. I don't know. I don't
1: know. Why, is he, why is he a slap hitter now? <laughs> I don't know
0: i don't know and and he's not even that like he was hitting he was hitting in the what low 300s like 310 315 something like that earlier this yeah. year and it was like okay if he can hit 330 you don't need the home runs if everybody else can hit them but now he's back to hitting like 265 without the homers still so yes yeah not great there but i mean kyle Schwarber's the only one really providing a whole lot of um upside from the power standpoint and he's doing a lot of it so it's making up for a lot of those those other shortcomings but yeah if if they can bring up a guy like hall and he can hit a bunch of balls out of the ballpark then defense be damned part 17 i think
1: yeah and here's the thing like i did not expect us to talk about Derek hall for as long as we have but he's somebody that even though mickey moniac after he got sent back down started to hit well at triple a he's been playing well they call him back up we've how many times are are they going to do the same thing of call mickey moniac up he looks he looks overmatched send him back down he looks really good someone gets hurt they call him back up it's the same cycle and i think like at some point you're just gonna have to reach you're gonna have to reach the conclusion that mickey moniac is not going to be able to hit well enough to play a regular role for the Phillies at the major league level.
0: No, he's, he's He's been a quad A slash spring training player from yes. everything we've seen in the first few years of his
1: career. And when you're at the point where your best hitter just went out, you, you need to take a swing on somebody who might be able to provide a spark in the lineup, not somebody who can play a good center field, but is just not going to hit. It's well Ty
0: Ty, you're you forgetting one thing. Moniac's 24. He's still got a long career ahead of him. Come on now.
1: It's true. It's true. <laughs> so how many times have right. you heard
0: that? How many times have you heard that with, <laughs> with regard to
1: Mickey Moniac? So all right, let's let's transition a little bit here. Well, if we speaking of Moniac, if we include players now on the injured list, the Phillies have three former number one overall picks on the roster nice. right now. The first being Bryce Harper, Mickey Moniak, like I just mentioned, and Mark Appel, who we talked about in the intro. Appel was the number one overall pick in 2013. He was strapped in the first round before that and didn't sign. He was a star in college at Stanford, and then he just kind of didn't pitch too well in the minor leagues with the Astros. He was included in the trade for Ken Giles that sent him to the Phillies and the combination of some injuries that held him back and just underperforming. He was considered a bust by a lot of people, and I think that was probably a fair assessment at the time. He stepped away from baseball after the 2017 season. Last year, the start of 2021, he came back to baseball. He pitched in double-A, made it to triple-A, this year, they converted him to a reliever full-time for the first time. He pitched really well in Triple A for the Iron Pigs. And this weekend, Connor Brogdon hit the COVID-injured list, list. They needed somebody to go out there, and they called up Mark Appel. So was on was on a short list of number one overall picks that didn't make the majors, and he's no longer on that list. It's a nice story. Nathan, you were there to kind of take it in so what was it like getting to hear from Appel what are your thoughts on him getting the call up for the first time
0: yeah it was so cool just hearing his perspective I got the chance to talk to him with a group of other uh, reporters before Sunday's game and his perspective on everything the story is so cool and his perspective on everything was just uh, admirable and incredible and I, I you know it's basically what he was talking about was I'm content with my career and I've been content with 2022 and I've been content with my whole journey and everything. And that would be the case, even if I never got the call, um, the, the term he used was, this is all gravy. Like this is just the cherry on top. And it's so cool to be up here. And, you know, I, I can understand why somebody in his position would just be like, I just want to get to the big leagues. Like that's why I'm still doing this whole thing. And to see him finally get that call, And to see how happy he was to finally get that call, I can't wait to see him in a game because he's obviously, I mean, he's not going to be, he's not going to be the new closer. Um, Thompson was saying he would try to use him like one inning at a time in a lower leverage spot and then work him up to be a multi-inning kind of guy. But I mean, when he just finally gets in that game for the, for the first time, I think it'll be so cool because yeah, the story's incredible. The, the, perseverance the fact that he's taking it all in stride and the fact that he stepped away from the game and then realized like he was like damn I really love this thing and came back it's it's just so cool and you know awesome guy um, yeah it, I, I, I don't know what else to say about him it's it, it, he's the kind of guy that you have to root for and I know there are people that are like oh he's a boss blah 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 but I mean you just have to be rooting for the guy in the story and everything like that so it was it was cool
1: yeah I also And while he was in the minors, got the chance to talk to him a few times. And I I wrote about him on media day before the start of the double A season last year. And like you said, him coming back and it was always, I guess, like in the back of his mind, like maybe he'll end up, you know, making the big leagues and kind of fulfilling a, a dream. But it also like wasn't the sole purpose that he was coming back. Part of it was just like. I, he he told a story last year and he's told this story a bunch but when he stepped away from baseball he went to um he went to a game at in Houston he was living in Houston went to a major league game and he um kind of realized like i don't hate baseball and people in baseball don't hate me so like he he kind of realized like yeah all this bad stuff like all the failure happened in the past but that doesn't mean i'm like shunned from baseball and that kind of opened his eyes to want to come back and he he made it happen which was cool it wasn't he he said that there wasn't really a ton of expectations for levels and like it was obvious he was almost 30 years old starting at the season in double a and he seemed, seemed really happy about it so it, it's just cool to see that he came back just because it was something that he missed and wanted to have fun with and to see him rewarded is like you said, it's really cool. And hopefully, I guess we'll see him in a game soon.
0: I would think we have to, I mean, it feels like Rob Thompson is the kind of guy that I- even if he knows a is going to go down when Brogdon gets called up or whatever the plan might be there, even if he knows that it's just going to be a week long stint. And I'm not saying that it, that it will, maybe he'll be, you know, more of a, more of a long-term guy, but It feels like he would make a very intentional effort to get him into a game as soon as he possibly can, whether they're up by four or five runs, down by four or five runs. It seems like he's the kind of guy that he talks a lot about how he likes the young players and he likes the energy that they bring. And he also talked a lot about his own um, spending, you know, spend a lot of time in the minors as a coach and things like that before finally getting the call to the big leagues. And now, obviously, he's a manager for the first time this year. And so I think I would be shocked if we don't see Marcipell in a game at some point. And one of the, one of the one of the other things coming back to what you said, Ty, about you know him him realizing that he still loves the game was he said on Sunday he was like when I came back in 2021 it was like playing around a golf after not having played for quite some time. Uh, you 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 know you you look up and the score is not that great, but you hit enough good shots where you're like yeah this is still pretty fun. I want to keep on playing Ty, you and i hit the links from time to time so i I can say for myself i don't know what it's like to hit a few good shots so i i'm not good i'm not good on the
1: second round either
0: yeah i'll take his (laughs) or any subsequent round so i'll take his word for it on that but yeah it was just a cool perspective to have i also gotta gotta throw this in there um we have a pretty deep personal bond too uh marcopel didn't go to my high school and he didn't go to the high school that i would have gone to if i didn't go to that high school but he went to my third high school where I would have wow. gone if I didn't go to the first two. So, you know, we kind of, we kind of shared a little nod at, at, at uh, Petco park. Like, yeah, you know, Bay area guys that know each other go way back. So yeah, a cool little personal story for him. Also for me too, it was pretty fun, but no, just a great guy and a great story. And yeah, I, w- I can't wait to see him in a game because I am almost positive that it's going to happen at some point
1: yeah I would think so too like even if it's a game if it's a game where I think they would get to the point like you said with topper like it just feels like he'll try to get him in even if it's a game where they probably like they're getting blown out and they probably go with a position player I think they would put him in like just to get him in a game before he ends up getting sent back down which I just realized that probably happens
0: I just realized I've been calling him Thompson for this entire podcast. I haven't even mentioned Topper yet. I've Topper. I've, co- I've come around on, on Topper, by the way,
1: <laughs> just because cool.
0: everybody's using it. And I, I still think Tomper makes more sense, but
1: whatever. I think it's, it's literally, I said this a few weeks ago. It's people are just embracing Topper because it's funny. Like there's, it's not yeah. much more than that. It's just funny.
0: Yeah. Speaking of Mark Appel, can we talk about the bullpen? Because yeah there was a stretch. I mean, that's probably the most like June. Kyle Schwarber is, is awesome, but the most outstanding dominant performance to come from the Phillies in the last week or so is the bullpen. There was a point from Wednesday through Sunday where they retired 34 straight hitters. That's a perfect game. Plus uh, two and a third innings which is pretty incredible from a group that is not really known for being dominant or good at all. And I I don't know where it came from. Like I have no idea where it came from. Jose uh, Alvarado looks like he's found a like career renaissance since being sent down to the minor leagues. Uh, He was actually the one to break that streak of 34 straight guys in the eighth inning. He allowed like a lead, a leadoff, double, I think, in the eighth and then just retired the next three guys. And then uh, Pilati comes in and gets his first uh, career save by retiring three straight guys. And it's like, they're, they're, they were automatic. They've been automatic for the last five games. And I don't know where it came from, but if they're going to weather the Bryce Harper storm, that's going to be, that would help. That would certainly not hurt if you can have the bullpen allow one base runner every 35 hitters
1: yeah i thought one of the the things that stuck out to me was on on sunday they're at a point save situation and sir anthony dominguez is not warming up brad hand is not warming up they're at the point with andrew belotti that they trust him to go in and get a save and it worked because he's been pitching really well I think when you're in that kind of situation where you you trust a guy like Bilotti to go get a save and Alvarado's been pitching better and just... Kniebel, when you're, in, Yeah. When all you're in, you got to do is move him to
0: the sixth and seventh innings and he's been dominant since.
1: <laughs> when you're in that kind of spot where y- you feel like you're in a position that you can save Sir Anthony Dominguez, like you don't have to go to him and overexert him when... He had just missed like a ton of time. He's just coming back off injury. So while you want to use your best, your best bullpen arm, you don't want to overdo it. Like that just, that means you're in a pretty good spot right now. And we will see how long this ends up holding up. It may not be the whole season, but right now they're those, those relievers are like, they're really showing out.
0: Lauren Amore had an awesome tweet. She said, the Phillies' bullpen either makes you want to gouge your eyes out or retires 34 straight consecutive batters, no in-between, which I thought was so accurate because we all know that this upcoming week they're just going to get absolutely lit up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's all part of the experience. so Yeah. But, yeah, I, I, I mean, it's, it's – having, it's
1: having Alvarado back up makes for a better viewing experience. He's all about the entertainment, which I appreciate.
0: But it hasn't been as entertaining recently because he's just been good. Although he did have that play, which, which I don't know how Stubbs blocked that ball, but he, like, spikes a fastball 50 feet, and Stubbs somehow blocks it, but he's also hurt on the play, and you're like, okay, there's the Jose Alvarado. But still. No, he, he
1: saved the saved run with his butt. Yeah. Oh,
0: that's right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. They're finding – the Phillies bullpen is known for just finding ways to get the job done. Is Sam Coonrod coming back ever?
1: I have no idea.
0: That would be I don't, a nice don't
1: know. Addition. Yeah. All right. You have anything else you want to add? I feel like we got to pretty much everything.
0: <sighs> okay. We were talking about this in the Phillies Nation group chat yesterday. But given that Harper's out and given that he's now apparently not going to be back until like September, it, that feels optimistic. Like early September feels like the optimistic thing. Um, how. Like, what do they have to do until they get him back? Like, if if they play 500 from here on out and they're four games over 500 entering September, like, do you feel like they have a chance? Or how how, how in do they need to be to go all in at the trade deadline? I think you said something like five games back, which feels they, right. But
1: yeah, they just have to be within five games of the last playoff spot. And I think Dombrowski will be buying. Now, if they're within two games, I think it could mean it's a better push than five games. but. I think they just got to be within striking distance because I think they are just like, I think they're tired of losing. And I, that's, that's fair. I think everyone who's followed this team is, is a fan of this team. They, the fan base feels the same way that they're ready for this playoff drought to finally end and, you know, making moves at the deadline. It doesn't always take a ton. You look at the, I'm, Talked about them before. You look at Atlanta; they won the World Series last year. Eddie Rosario is like a playoff hero for them, and they got him for Pablo Sandoval. And what else did the Braves
0: do? What else did the Braves do last season before they turned it on and won the World Series?
1: Lost (laughs) their best best player. player. I'm just saying. It's true. I don't know. Are you Are you going all in on the Bryce Harper Ewing theory? Is that what you're doing?
0: no absolutely not no although Uh, it did happen it did happen when he left the nationals
1: it's true you know all right i think that'll do it the phillies with all the jokes they're going to miss bryce harper we'll see how they're able to respond without him so if
0: we'll see if they're able to respond without him
1: if they're able to respond thank you everyone for listening we'll talk to you next time